Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. Another Monday in this three-day, four-day, five-day thing that um, some of us, I shouldn't say many of us because I'm not in that crowd, but a mini vacation celebration weekend party thing going on over here. But we are back on our duty. A lot to talk about. I'm your host, as always, Timuchin here in Chicago, and with us today is Gally. Are you doing a four-day, five-day, three-day? What are you doing? I went to work this morning, so I don't know about any uh, long weekends, one day, three days, uh, but we never get to stop working. I mean, we cover such a crazy club that's always so busy in the transfer market, so we got a lot of stuff to get to. God, still angry. I was hoping that anger level would have gone down, but... Speaking of angry, Bickler is, as always, Bickler, what's happening? I'm good. I'm just trying to settle out and figure how I feel about the fact that when I shave, I look like when Galley doesn't shave. Um, I don't know what to, I don't really know what to do with that. I feel like I'm in the upside down room. <laughs> oh, that's good. I just, I didn't notice that until you mentioned it, but yeah, fair point, fair point. Okay, let's go with the favorite segments first, the trivia. And Bigler, before the show, in the pre-show fistfight over here, admitted, said he has his own trivia question. The guy is an addict, ladies and gentlemen. He is hooked on trivia. So here is your trivia. With Soboslai signing, uh, we have a Hungarian player in our ranks. What, who was the last Hungarian player to wear the Liverpool jersey? I feel like I should know this, and I have no idea, and I'm not even going to sit here and pretend. I kind of, like, figured you guys might actually get a crack at this, just because there's yeah. only uh, – Alan, actually, I think, sent it to me. I think there was only, like, six players or six or eight players. I feel, I feel like I'm going to gonna hear the answer and be upset that I didn't know it. Well, I was I was just going to say the Nemeth guy, I think, was a while ago, but I don't think he was the last one. Didn't Golaski – did he actually play a match for Liverpool, yeah. or did, was he just at the club? I know, was he? Bickler. I think it's Golaski. That's my pick. I think that's right. That was who I was kind of like. I feel oh, like that's who no. I had in my mind you know that who I didn't it is? Say. It's that creepy redhead who threw the ball in. The other goalie. Uh, what the Brogdon hell is his name? Whatever. Brogdon. 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 Cup match. I'm pretty sure. Didn't he? Isn't he the one who lost against Oldham when he threw it in his own net? Okay, people, this is not like a group study over here. Everybody's taking their own test. So, Bickler, good an answer. Dude, I said I don't know. Like, I, I think I, – I really think Golaski or however you pronounce that was who I was originally thinking of. Okay, good guess. Yeah, I'm going to go with – now that I've talked myself out of it because it was a keeper, I'm going to go with Brogdon. Yes, Adam Bogdan. Bogdan, that's one to play. Nice. Uh, 2000 – 15 to 2019. How many games has he played for us? I would have said like maybe four. Bickler? Take Three. over under? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Take the under, my friend. He's only played two games for us. Uh, and I think uh, Glocky is the other one, right? Uh, well, probably yeah. the last name there. Uh, but yeah, he had actually not played at all, but he was in the squad. Uh, during that time. So, but uh, I think if I recall right, when I was looking it up, he had not played a lot. Um, he said, totally forgot about him. Good thing. Yes. I mean, it wasn't very memorable. Obviously, it's only like two games uh, and not memorable ones. But yes, so we do have another Hungarian player, uh, Soboslai. 
And this is kind of like a, I told you guys last week, right? So freaking relax. Things are going to happen. And in the very Liverpool fashion, the news came out. And within 48 hours or so, it was pretty much a done deal. Bickler, since you are always the angriest, let's start with you. Has the angry meter gone down a little bit, having seen Soboslai wearing number eight? Well, I know you thought you are going to get around this, but because it's a company man, you know I buy into company culture. And I'm going to ask my additional trivia question to you to mention. Oh, oh. Um, by all means. As we, because it's a perfect segue. This is, this is uh, exciting. Okay. In the industry, I believe they call this a transition. I'm not sure. Um, but like. Whatever that industry so, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So only two players in the Bundesliga last year completed more long passes at a higher percentage rate than Sobosly. Who were those two players? And I'll give you a hint. They're on the same team. Bellingham and I was going to go with Emre Jan. I'm trying to think who else could it be from Dortmund. Uh, Matur says Bayern players. That's not a good one either. But since you came up with it, there has to be Bellingham in there somewhere, I feel like. But um, I'll go Bellingham and Emre Jan for the Turkish factor, just for shits and giggles. Uh, what do you have, Gally? Um, not those. I would say um, uh, I, I do feel like it might be Bellingham, but I also feel like there's a chance that it's two, like just randomly two Leipzig players because that's just the way that they play. But I'll say I can't even think of another midfielder. I know it's not him, but I'll say Bellingham and Roos just to take two off Dortmund. But is it Bellingham and Brandt? So I hate to say this in there. <laughs> I hate to say this. Two players that I never want to talk about again for very different reasons. Timucci and Michael got it right. It's Emery Chan in Bellingham. It's what I do, people. Trivia. Your boy. <laughs> I actually kind of shocked. I kind of went with Emre just for going with Emre kind of thing because in his time with us, he wasn't really known for his long passes. He wasn't really known for completing passes. He was just known for good <laughs> hair and good goal celebration. Perfect hair, man. Perfect. And Klopp hair, loved but... him. I mean, let, let's be honest. If, if there was ever a crush Klopp had, he fell for that dude. He fell for that German the first time we saw him. He was like... I think, honestly, it, I know he wanted to chase the money and more power to him, I guess, if he's trying to get it. But he was a good fit, I thought, for this midfield of just, you know, running around the midfield, pressure and getting the ball. And I think like at the time with the size and stuff, I think he was like a good build for this, but he chased. He was a six who wanted to be a 10. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and he had to be an eight to actually be good here. So <laughs> yeah. none of it was ever going to fucking work. Like but that's that, the best that part. Goal against Wat was that Watford? The yeah. That he did like the, yeah. What a, unreal. That goal was absolutely unreal. <laughs> I was just in the eighth body. Yeah. I mean, good old Emre, man. Uh, Emre, John, and Bellingham. See? 
Are you going to bring a trivia question next week, Gally? Are you jealous of not being? No. Do you feel left out? I'm really bit? setting the bar high for no, the rest I'm, of the I'm, I'm really, here. I'm really not jealous of adding any more to this. You said earlier in the business they call this a transition, and then you were like, "What business is that?" In the actual podcast business, they call this a shit show, and we absolutely live up to it every week. So good to see we are right on cue. Let's hey, move somebody's got to specialize in that space, all right? We'll, exactly. we'll quickly, it's a niche market, baby, and we got a corner. <laughs> we will quickly find our way to the, the B segment, literally. <laughs> so, Sobosnai, anger management, where are we at with Bickler? Are you down to like a five or a six? Where are we at? You know what? I was thinking about this, and I thought it was really funny because like, I feel like um, I feel like if you ask like the inside of the club, like, I feel like when you look at these two transfers, they're both big deals for this club. But, like, McAllister feels like the grocery store item I come home, like, really excited about. And then Soba is the one the kids are excited about that I was like, oh, we got. Like, like that's what it feels like to me. Like, it, like McAllister feels very practical. And Soba feels really sexy in a different way, both literally and physically. Um, but, like, I think uh, – I love the signing. I think it's a massive signing. I think the club needed that lift, and I think he provides that little bit of lift here going in. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting with him um, is how he beds into this midfield because it's not like – so he's coming from a high-press system, right, that he's played almost his entire life. Great for us. But that midfield system is very different in the way they play it, and he's almost always been deployed as a far white uh, – far – far wide midfielder in that system. So like, what does that look like for us when we play that a little bit differently? Now I hope I would love to see him hug that sort of wide, that line and, and, and go wide. And if he does play like that, I think that could provide a really, really interesting link for Mo and for Trent. If Trent does play like an inverted fullback where he has the room to move inside now, because that midfielder is pushed out wide. Um, I'm just excited to see it happen because regardless of whether like what he does and how we adjust to playing in the midfield. We got a dude that's like top three across Europe and winning the ball in the attacking third of the pitch, which is where we really struggle. Like the dude is a press monster. Like we, we went over the long passing, um, you know, statistics. Um, he just across the board. Um, he's just a, a, a statistical nightmare in a good way. Like he just takes all the boxes that we look for. So I'm really excited to see what happens here. So it brought you down a couple of points, at least, sounding like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Gally? Where are we at? Are we still yeah, it definitely, definitely brought it down, but we kept saying that. I mean, I think we both tried to claim we were like fives and sevens, then by the end of our rants, we're like, so we're really nines. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then they went out and signed a player of class that we needed, and, and honestly, a player beyond the profile of a player I thought we were going to get. So after we lost out on Bellingham, and it didn't look like, you know, we the Valverde thing was always, these were pipe dreams that weren't going to happen. None of the Madrid guys were coming here. Um, and we lose out on Bellingham. It felt like we were going to sign Thurum and then convince ourselves that Thurum could be this step forward without actually seeing it. And, you know, this player has done this already. He has excelled at a high level. He has moved up incrementally through the ranks, you know, between Salzburg through Leipzig. He's earned his way. Paul's already touched on some of his top stats in Germany. 
And to Paul's point, he wins the ball in the final third. The other thing he does in the final third is he finds the final pass. And he sees passes from midfield that our midfielders haven't seen. And we all know we signed Tiago for that. But the way we play him, I don't think it actually helps him because we asked Tiago to win the ball in the final third. And he wants to get it deeper and pick people out and loop things over and catch runners, right? And I think this kid, to Paul's point, at the end of last season, we saw an awful lot of Henderson out wide to allow Trent to tuck in. And it allowed Mo to push forward up and not be as wide. This kid gives you the width. And unlike Henderson, it's not just industry. He's going to give you creativity. Um, to James Abad's point, he can score a screamer from outside the box. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I think he's taken like 27 professional penalties. 26 of them have been slotted to the exact same spot. And he's made them all. So oh. this is crazy. Him and McAllister. Him. McAllister, Fabinho, Nunez as our back, like, you know, as our secondary penalty kickers, 59 for 62. I'll take careers. that in their careers. I'll take it. Way to jinx all these guys, by the way. Good no, job. But, <laughs> but I think it's important. I think, one, it's good because God knows we love a nil-nil draw in a cup final. But, two, um, I think it's also important because it. I do think that Mo has to sit a little more this year. Like, we're going to be playing in Europa. And the thing we haven't talked about is he has – Dominic has the skill set to push forward and play just like the Mason Mount role we wanted. He could be cover for Mo in the front three if you wanted to. Or you altered your formation a little bit, even play two strikers up top. I think this gives us a little bit of tactical flexibility that we definitely didn't have because of the profile of the player. And I also think he's the first player – that we've signed and I'd have to think back to when this, when the last guy was the first player we've signed that we signed at a high point of their trajectory where they actually have a much, much like there's two more levels for this kid to get to, to be like world, world class. And I genuinely believe he has the skills in his locker to do it. He's 22 years old. We've been buying a lot more of the 27 to 29 year old players. And I think this was massively needed for everyone at the club. And I think two more signings, and to Paul's point, this could be a 10-for-10 10 10 summer, which who would have thought when each of us were a nine on the fucking explosion scale last Monday night? Yeah, man, I was trying to calm you guys down. You guys, As you guys talked more and more, you guys got more and more freaking angry over here. I think I do like the fact that his versatility is, I think, is like the biggest strength, and obviously the upside because of his age and and he comes for his age he comes with a ton of experience i think that's one of like the biggest things yeah and in a leadership role as well and kind of like carrying the load giving the responsibility like on the pitch i think that's a huge thing sometimes you get these young players yeah they have a lot of experience but he has like a experience in being in an important role in the system and i think that's golden so galley like you kind of like addressed it already but you know, when we look ahead, so the next step up is going to be obviously we're looking ahead to what's next now kind of a deal. 
does this almost address our concerns that we had? And I think we wanted, like, you know, that's one of the reasons we wanted mounts, because we said, hey, there is nobody behind. Does this almost address the issue that we had? Hey, when Mo goes to Afghan and stuff like that, does this cover Mo? Are you, like, satisfied with this coverage now, Bickler, in knowing, hey, while Mo is gone, we can play him or we can play Diaz or whatever? Like, we the, got the front line is depth-wise, is it set in your mind? Uh, so I think it solves part of the issue to me. It doesn't successfully patch it just because we're going to rely on him on so many minutes in the midfield. And I would like to see an up and coming younger profile, right-sided attacker still. Um, and you know, whether that, I mean, I just think it's gotta be somebody that sits between Mo and Ben Doak, like on a, on a straight up talent standpoint or, or, maybe not a talent standpoint, but like on a progression scale, right? Like I think the gap between Mo and Cade Gordon and Ben Doak, who I don't even know if Cade Gordon's getting re-signed or not. I haven't even looked at that. No, he is. He's, he's back he is. and he's healthy. Okay. He's supposed to be playing right, for in the preseason, so we'll see. Because I, I know his contract's up at the end of next year, so I don't. I, I, I imagine they're going to re-sign that kid. But like I, I think the, the drop-off is too steep there. Um, so I'd like to see one more right-sided attacker added. I'd like to see – I know we've got a lot of moving pieces. I, I'd still like to see additional cover for Fabinho, and I think that's where Lavia comes in. Um, I would love to see uh, another center back addition. So I still think there's room here, right? I still think two or three but more no, front. Are we set to thing in the front, or are you like – No. You will feel – if we don't sign another cover as a right winger – are you going to feel that man? We. I want to see more. I want to see more help on the right side. I like. Uh, okay. Like, can 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 this kid play it? Yeah, he can. But like, he like, look, he's the natural Jordan Henderson succession plan. Okay, and so I don't want that to be my backup right sided attacker. That's fair. How about you, Gal? I I I can't. I don't think they're going to extend this squad that much further. I think it's why Carvalho went out on loan because they want people to play. And I think it would be hard pressed to convince a player of any young stature to come here and sit and literally be the sixth choice attacker at Liverpool. Cause I think they all know that if in a pinch Klopp's going to put Diaz on the right, probably he might put yeah. Dominic up there. Um, we know Jota is still there. And I know Paul has talked about like there being a surprise out and maybe it's a guy like Jota, like someone pops up at the wrong minute and offers the right deal and we take it. Um, I do think you, barring no injuries or players leaving, I can't see how this club spends any money on the attack right now when you have Gekpo, Darwin, Diaz, Mo, and Jota. And then you throw this kid in as a little extra cover. And you have Kai Gordon and Doke if you need him. I think the biggest thing is, you know, like when we look at the midfield, you can, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying in terms of it's hard to convince a young kid and say, because everybody else over there is young. I mean, aside from Mo, everybody is a bunch of years still ahead of him. I think for midfield, you know, so we're going to shift the midfield now. And I think we're all on the same page in terms of getting our defensive midfielder. And I was going to ask you, uh, we'll start with you on this one, Gally, like how many more midfielders. But I guess, you know, when you talk about a player like Turan, for example, or another young midfielder, I think it's a bit easier to convince them 
giving a long-term plan because you can say, dude, look around. You know, Fab is going to be, Fab is getting older, Handle is getting older. These spots are going to open and you're going to plug in there. Whereas I feel like we can't do that up top just because obviously everybody is young. It's going to be a while before you can snatch a jersey. Yeah, I, I that's why I, as soon as the, um, the announcement came that this was legit and like it was really pushing forward. I was, I'm, I went like, I think Paul and I were on the same wavelength. Like immediately when that happened, I kind of moved off of Thurum and I thought this was them upgrading from Thurum and them going and pushing the eggs into Lavia. I think at one point it was grabbing Birch and I think Byron made it clear. He's not leaving. And the kid said, I want to stay and fight for my spot. And I think that, happens and i think thurum kind of is on the back burner at this point should something materialize and a guy like henderson or tiago or someone actually left the club and you need it two more midfielders i think you need one more midfielder i i think you know i know we all said how much can you rely on jones they they relied a lot on him last year and he stepped up Klopp is very loyal the kid has now gone out this summer and he's playing at the internationals with the euros, the U 19s. And he's basically one of the top two or three players in the entire tournament. He's bossing the midfield for England and, and good on him. He's kicking on. And, and I think he fights for a spot. Elliot's look good. We know he offers some cover. I just feel like now it's, it's one more midfielder and then it's the defenders. And then if a player leaves or we get a big injury, we maybe dip back in, but it's for me, it's, it's Lavia and a center back. I mean, Lavia definitely makes sense just to me. the homegrown numbers. I mean, not only like the profile-wise and, you know, what he brings, but obviously it helps those numbers. So he's, you know, I think like probably the most – and we just recently heard about him, about reliable sources. And that's what I was going to ask you, Bickler. I mean, all these names we heard for a while, knowing how we do business and people just pop up and they're signed right away – does it almost hint that, you know, Thuram Kone and all these people were not really in our radar as much? I don't really think so. I mean, I think there's genuine interest there. I, I think that, like, I think that each one of these situations is unique. I think that any negotiation is, is unique in itself. I mean, I think there's been players that we've been linked with for a long time that ended up coming through. And, and I think there's things like Fabinho where we never saw it coming and it happened and materialized overnight. So uh, I just think I, I, I genuinely believe that like we had interest in all of those players. Um, it, you know, I, I think it, it's difficult when you got um, the U international tournaments going on and you got to wait for those to finalize, to, to finalize a lot of these deals. And what are we going to do in the meantime, not talk about it? Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like all journos are going to do is just rehash that. In terms of, you know, what we want to do, get in there, take care of our business and get out kind of thing. It kind of throws a curveball. Yeah. But let's say Lavia and we call it done for midfield. Are you happy with what we have going into the season, Bickler? Yes. Galley? And I, and I never thought I'd say that. Dude, I just, I, hey, I'm getting it on record, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, are you happy with what we're going into the season in terms of midfield depth? Yeah, because I think you bought a starting midfield. If you did that, you could arguably see that team by November being your starting midfield. And you still have Fabinho, Tiago, and Henderson. And then you have your kids, yeah. Basetich, Jones, and Elliott behind them. That is nine solid midfielders to give you a core. 
And I even included Tiago in that. So let's let me ask you guys this then. Starting day, as of now, no Lavia. Who are we? Who is starting on that midfield? Your gut feeling right now, Gally? Assuming knowing Klopp, we're still going to go 4 3 3. Uh, if we go 4 3 3, let me ask you that way. We keep the same formation because a lot of things can change. But if we keep the same formation, who do you think starts against Chelsea on that first weekend? Because it's Jurgen Klopp, I think it's Fabinho, Henderson, and McAllister. Because those are three players who started last year in the Premier League. And I think uh, the expensive signing, you know, Big Dom, as you guys like to name him, or you guys named him in the morning show. Uh, and that's purely because we can't pronounce his last name after two beers and on July 3rd at 8.30 at night. Um, I, I think he, I don't think he gets his start on the road at Stamford bridge in the first match of the season, he can have maybe his first run out at home against Bournemouth week two. So I'll go Henderson, Fabinho and McAllister. Yeah, I agree. That was my three. And it was more mainly due to the fixture more than anything else. But how about you, Vickler? Yeah, I agree with that. That was going to be my three. Um, you know, I, for all the reasons Gally mentioned it. Manchester Swinney and Big Dom. I have no idea. It wasn't me, that's for sure, because Soboslai, baby, just ignore disease, and uh, it's a breeze, like I said this morning. Uh, it's very easy to pronounce once you ignore disease. It's Soboslai. But, so, yeah, we're sticking with that midfield. So let's go back to the back line now. Today the word came out that they're working possibly with Matip on a new contract. What does that mean in the grand scheme of things, Bickler? Does that mean we're kind of – Staying where we're at, and are you happy with that? I mean, it should mean one more year of geocaching and wearing socks with Birkenstocks. Um, <laughs> like, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think it influences the big picture. Uh, Motsip's quality cover, uh, we love what he does with the ball at his feet. You know, we've said for a long time he's underrated, it's just like whether he can physically handle like sustained starts, and the answer is no, right? So um, I don't think it changes much. I think it's great cover. Uh, I think this the need is still there for uh, a, a left-footed center back um, across the board, and we've talked about it to death, and I think the club still thinks it. I, I don't think the club extending Matip is going to be the difference between them signing center back and not signing another one. That's fair. If you made a death shot of our center backs right now, though, Bickler, rank the center backs for me one to four. Kanate one, Virgil two, Matip three, Gomez four. Okay, that's uh, how about you there? Yeah. Matt Phillips one A. But he puts his head in everything. Uh yeah, go ahead, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the only difference there is I might put Gomez ahead of Matip, but I think it's close. I think the goal is is Matip is your fourth center back. And if Matip is your fourth center back, then you can give him a one year extension to his contract, not worry about him leaving on a free and still get 5 million for him next summer. If you really want to move him on because a young kid comes up and is ready. And I think that's this contract to me feels more like laying the foundation to, to sign a player who's going to walk in the door, your number three, which maybe lets Joe Gomez know, like you should go find yourself another club because we know that they're not going to push him out of the club. But at some point, one of the one or two of these guys got to go. They can't keep all these players. So if they sign another center back, I don't think you want Gomez or Mata being your fifth center back. Not from a talent standpoint, from a 
they have expectations ahead of that. They have they have bigger expectations than that. So I, to me, this is more about recouping something for Matip later than signing him because you think he's playing a big role in years to come. It's like giving Honestly, Adrian like, a deal. Watching the end of last season with Trent playing that inverted role and the amount of time that Konata had on the ball at times, I was like, man, like if Matip could have the ball there, uh, we could be in business. And I don't think teams would afford to do that and would not defend it that way because I think Matip would be a lot more dangerous with the ball in his feet. But I guess the thing comes down to is, well, we watched a bunch of guys last year who did not play up to their potential that we're used to, right? So out of these guys, like, I mean, Fabinho, obviously, uh, heck, I mean, even Van Dyke, Matip, uh, Hando. So out of those four guys, I think the optimist in us, Bickler, says, you know, it was a lot about being tired, especially for the midfield guys. And I guess Van Dyke, too, you know, like kind of like ran into the ground. How many of those players do you feel like will benefit from a rest? And how many of them are it's just age and does not really have as much to do with being tired or the game workload? Um, look, I, I, I think, I think they're all going to benefit from rest. I think Matip is age. I think Van Dyke is age. I think Henderson is age. Fabinho is the only one I don't fucking know. I don't know. Okay. Because like we've seen him look like an absolute ghost. Right. And then we've seen performances where we were like, Oh, he's, he's back. Like, you know, where he looked essentially like a Rolls Royce back there, just directing traffic and doing all the things that we love. Um, just basically sucking up uh, everything in that midfield uh, when he's been on it. So that's the only one I'll say I don't know. But, I, I mean, this was the oldest starting 11 in the league last year. Um, and I think that we got to remember that. How about you, Gally? I mean, obviously with age, every player is going to go down a little bit, especially after a certain age. Uh, but the drop in these guys were a lot bigger than just the year's worth of getting older. How many of these guys do actually bounce back a little bit, do you think, because of the rest, or how many of them kind of continue to decline? I, I, I'll give Paul – I'll go with Paul that I think Fabinho has the greatest chance. I'll tell you the player I hope actually got some rest and looks better is Robertson because I think he skated last year with how bad Van Dyke looked. Um, mm -hmm. I think we forget that Robertson at times last year looked a shell of himself and looked a step slow. And as soon as Andy Robertson doesn't have the extra burst to go forward and get back, and, and to your point, Timuchin, he doesn't have the best center back of all time playing alongside of him, he looks like a lot more of a pedestrian defender. And so I, I kind of hope that this new tactics and maybe having either a refresh Fabinho – or a younger version that can cover a little more ground, whether it be Lavia or even Bashitich playing in the six, might start to re-energize and, and, and give us a little bit better of a Robertson. But the tactics are going to be amazing and going to be so interesting to see how we come out and play. Because if we play basically 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three up the pitch, like people are talking, we're going to try to play. Um I think Robertson is a much, much different commodity going forward with this club. And the things he does best marauding going forward just really aren't there. And now you just have like 
a shorter left-sided center back. But that's the thing. I mean, if we play that formation, I mean, if that's the goal, we obviously would need – I almost feel like we would need two center backs. Wouldn't we, Bickler? I will be absolutely shocked if we play a three-box three just based on, like, the fact that center back has always been a depth issue for us. And I think we saw, like – I mean, granted, you're not going to have – you know – if Soboslai ends up slotting into the starting 11, you're not going to have to worry about Henderson's legs in the mid, assuming that he takes that right spot, right? But, I mean, I just think Trent as an inverted fullback solves two issues for you. And I don't see why we would go out and essentially pick our leanest spot on the actual roster and make that a focal point. Because that's what you're doing in a three-box three. You're basically saying that, like, my back – our center backs are the strength of this unit and, and it moves from the back. And I just don't, I don't see us doing that. I, I meant it more in possession, us actually basically lining up like we did last year, but where Robertson is basically instead of Fabinho dropping into that, because that's what a lot of the pundit people are talking about as they talk about how he could use these pieces. It's basically the back three right. with Virgil in the middle, Kanate on the right and Robertson on the left. And then you have Fabinho, and Trent, and then in front of them, you're talking about uh, Dominic and McAllister, and in front of them are your traditional front three, and they kind of feel like that's the way forward. So you're basically playing with, like Brighton, you're playing with two number 10s behind three attacking and two sixes, and Trent is one of the sixes creating. I could see it being brilliant. Now, to Paul's point, and to your point, Timuchin, you probably have to buy new center backs because Virgil might not be able to do that anymore. And I don't think Robertson's built to do that, but like, this is where you get to the dream world of like Colwell, you, you, you know, a healthy Gomez before he ruptured two Achilles and a knee, like, you know, these type of players, I, we don't have those players right now. And that's kind of why I just feel very like uncomfortable with that like back three uh, size wise and like say speed wise like you were saying Gally I mean you had the Van Dyke in the middle the guy slowing down covering the most space I don't know how much I like that moving forward and you're losing a lot of size now too because you know you have like McAllister in there you have like Robo in there so like for set pieces and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of like a tricky ordeal. And that's why this offseason is going to be so interesting in terms of like what's going to change or is anything going to even change, Victor? What is your gut feeling telling you? Like, obviously, the first couple of games is hard to tell. But as the preseason moves on, one would think we will start to see what we're trying to do differently. Will we do something radically differently, you think? Because it's like the impression I get is that's why we're trying to do the business early. That's why we're not traveling. Klopp really wants to kind of like implement something. Is it just more well, about getting the new guys to the old system or is it really like a new system? To me, the Sobosly signing says that it's not going to be the old system. That's yeah. what that tells me. Like, I mean, he's just too different of a player. And he actually plays into the fact that if you were going to play with an inverted winger on the right side, that's the perfect midfielder for that. So I think we are going to see it. I think the question remains what we do with I, uh, the Robo thing is going to be interesting because I mean I think he settled into it towards the end of the at the end of the year, and I think you know he started to settle into it, but that's not a strength. 
And that's not what you want him. You don't want to, you don't want Andrew Robertson as a left-sided center back. So I, I don't think it's going to be the same. I think it's going to be really, really fascinating. I do. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And none of us know what's going to happen. We can look at these pieces and, and, and draw our own conclusions. Like, I mean, what was it this time last year? We were all convinced we were going to see a 4-2-3-1 based on our based on who we signed. Exactly. And it turns out all those players are getting loaned out to four two three ones instead. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, last year when like Carvalho came in and stuff, we were like, well, looking at this, we're going to do this and yeah. never happened. And I think the two names that really I'm trying to figure out how they fit in this puzzle is aside from Robertson is Nunez. And I know we talked about this before, but Gally, like, how do you think we, because the price tag, you, I feel like forces us to find a freaking way uh, or does it? I, I think because of his age and the timing and the time you have to develop him. And I, I mean, we've seen it now. You can get a price tag. He can have two good years and they could find a taker for him. Like they'll, they'll be fine. And he's not on crazy wages to Paul's point. They got him on reasonable wages. So they're actually, you paid a lot up front. Don't get me wrong, but I think it was like 67 and then it could get to 85 and we all got went, Oh, we got him for 85. It's a steal. No, we got him for 67 and he's got to actually like win medals and help us and, you know, win a golden boot and get all these escalators. I still think the kid's going to be really, really good and overall a good signing. I also think it's on the manager to figure out how to utilize him best. He started to figure it out last year. I think he's your backup left winger. That's what he is right now. He's cover for Diaz. That's what he is. You think he'll be happy with that? I think if not, he's got to beat out Cody Gakpo, and that looked like a tough ass the second half yeah, of the it season. Like it, that's for sure. But but that also could change because this formation and playing with a guy like you know, like Dominic behind him, he might play better with a guy because he may play off him a little. Like this could be fascinating to Paul's point. This could push Mo more inside. Darwin looked good at times when they played off each other last year. He looked best when he was out on the left, right? We all know that. But I think it just gets, it gets washed under the rug that he was this like colossal failure and his numbers per 90 are still at the top of the Premier League for minutes played and numbers produced last year. He scored double digit Premier League goals and almost 20 goals in all competitions and had like eight assists. He was actually really good. And doing and it while we were collectively the- playing like shit. Yeah. And and I just think that he was also asked, like, Jota gets hurt. Diaz gets hurt. Darwin, figure this out. He headbutts a dude. He's out for, for a month. We have to take a break for the World Cup. He arguably has a piss-poor World Cup for his standards. You know, once again... Looked like a guy who didn't know what his role was in his national team. And he ran around like a chicken with his head cut off because they put him on with 10 minutes to go. And we're like, go save the game. I think just he could be a he could be an absolute menace from the bench this year. If they figure out how to harness him, this could be like his big year. And who knows, a year from now, Mo's a year older, a year closer to the end of his contract. You know, we'll see. I think there's a bright future for Darwin and Gakpo working together somehow in the front. I don't know how it's going to be yet, but that's the thing. Like I can't figure out. I mean, like you look at the players one by one, like Brian says, you know, Nunez is a raw talent and I agree. And there's a lot there. 
And yes, he did do well. And you saw things were like, yes, see, like, you know, he scored some goals that are striker goals, right? Finisher goals, right? You were like, yes. And, you know, obviously he's going to miss stuff. The conversion rates, like nobody's is that high. But I just constantly have the same way. Like I finished my thoughts the same way you did, Gally. Like, I think it's going to be great. I just don't know how. And I, 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 you know how I see it? I and, and this is like probably unrealistic because it's a formational change. But as a secondary attacking option, what I would seriously consider is a wide four four two with Diaz left, Dominic right, and Jota and Nunez up top. Two guys that like to play off other strikers. So this is, but I mean, this is a couple of years down the road. You're saying with after? No, I'm saying is like if you if you need an option B, a plan B in a game, you're trying to win a game, break down a low block. I'm playing a I'm playing a four four two, a wide four four two with Diaz and Dominic hugging touch lines, and then Nunes and Jota up there just smashing off each other. And you took Mo out because he's going to be ripping and that's and going at you. And well, that's how that's how we know it would never happen because Mo's not on there. <laughs> oh. But but yes, I'm taking. It's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen this year. He's 31 going on 32. He's got to go to AFCON. Like, we have to play Thursday, Sunday, and travel. And you know as well as I do, I think Klopp is going to want to win the Europa League. One, because people told him he wanted to avoid it and it would be better to not be in Europe at all than qualify. And he was like, go fuck yourself. We'll not only qualify, we're going to go win the thing. And it's making up for a tournament that they lost in the finals during his first year there, right? And and I think he's going to attack it because you get really, really good competition in the knockout rounds of the Europa League. And you can get some big, big ties. And I, I think they're going to go all in and go all after it. And to do that, you're going to have to balance your squad. And I think this is a year where we're going to see Mo like actually sit. Not in the Premier League, because we know he's going to be playing those games. I think he sits a good amount of Thursday games. I think if Klopp's smart. He tries to develop his European versus league starters when it comes to his front three and the attacking midfielder. And then I think you rotate the rest in and out and you play a lot of the kids. You know, Harvey's going to see a lot of countries he does not know how to pronounce. Yeah, I think it's the Thursday, Sunday thing by itself almost forces Klopp's hand to rotates but of course we've said this similar things in the past and you know the tuesday games and stuff and hasn't happened so uh but we'll see and maybe okay to be fair we will have the quality overall i mean obviously we're looking at it with zero injuries right now but we will have the quality to be able to rotate without a major drop off and it does feel like there are a lot of players that are kind of replaceable where you know like you can play Jota there or you can play Diaz there and something in the middle you can play Jota there Gakwa there like you know a lot of like movable pieces a lot of players that are versatile that can play in multiple positions but it will definitely force our hand into getting some rotation having said that Soboslai's move if you picked one player that benefits the most out of it Bickler who is it who does it help the most Trent. Really? Okay. Why? Um, like he's gonna go. I think it. I think it paves. I'm asking. So, I think paves the way for him to permanently play as an inverted fullback if they want that option. 
How about you guys? Well, it's tough. I think it, I think it helps the whole team. So it's it's a tough one. I think the two most important players, well, three. I'll say the two most important are the two players on the right that it should impact the most, which is Mo and Trent. Because as much as we love Jordan and he offers a lot, I do think at times last year, especially when Henderson was like a little bit off of the pace and off his best, were some of the matches where it seemed like Mo struggled the most to get involved. And he ended up more and more out wide. And I think this guy will just create, create space and movement and a reason for defenders to come out and pay attention to him in spaces that they leave Henderson alone in, which also will help Trent. But the, the guy I think it probably helps the most is McAllister because I think it takes the burden that that guy is literally wearing Steven Gerrard's number for like almost record level money for the buy. And he's another guy coming from out of the league. And McAllister like skates by as this like $35 million signing that I really believe is the key. Like I think McAllister is the key. He changed the way Brighton played. I think he can change the way we play. I think that left-hand side has been a problem the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, McAllister may benefit the most because of the pressure mentally that it gets taken off when a bigger signing happens than you in the summer. Yeah, in terms of that factor, I think it's a, I, I was going to say more personally just because I think it enables Mo to cut in a lot more. Yep. And I can see so I was like basically looking at the positions he plays and gaps that he can fill, it's a nightmare, I think, defensively to face those two at the same time on the same wing because either one of them can easily cut in and either one of them can easily go out. I think when you add Henderson, and I mean, everybody knows I'm you know a huge fan of Henderson in terms of like player as a whole, the captains as the whole works, but I think you can push him wide and he can't be as dangerous there. I mean, he's going to curl that ball in that he always does towards the back post. Uh, but aside from that, he is not as dangerous to face as a defender if you push Hando out. Uh, with Soboslai and Mo, obviously, you do not want that because there can be a nightmare going wide too because both have pace they can beat you on. And this kid is a big kid. Uh, I mean, like some of the like the one-on-ones and stuff, you can kind of tell he can kind of physically get past you as well if he's faced with like a left back and stuff like that. So it's definitely like exciting of a signing, but I know we talked about Mount and I know Bickler, you said you would still rather have Mount when we first talked. If I, if I offered two of them and you could only pick one, are you still picking Mount? And is that mainly because he helps the homegrowns and he has PL experience or are there other factors? No, I'm not because as much as I love Mount, he's not 22 year old. He's not a 22 year old who's a big game player in big game moments on an international stage like this kid is. Yeah, um, and I and, and that's no disrespect to Mount. I think Mount is incredibly underrated. Um, I think any team that gets him, you know, with United, like they're immediately improved. Um, I just think that this kid is. Um, I think he's special, and I think he has the ability to take the armband for the next eight years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – it's a signing that's probably more – you know, McAllister, the moment we signed it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, we got that, now what's next? And he's not as – he's probably more of a club player originally, if you look at it, in terms of like what he can do and what he brings. 
but this guy, and I guess that's my fear. Like, how are we going to use Soboslai moving forward? Uh, are we going to get the best out of the kid? Because, yeah, the ceiling is still, like, so much higher. I think with McAllister, you're getting a known quantity and, you know, quality well, in well, terms of, like, what he can do with the Premier League. And But with Soboslai, you're getting already somebody established for his young age and with, like, a higher ceiling at the same time. But I think what gets lost because he looks like he's an old man is that McAllister will turn 23 this preseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, he's a kid. And so if I, you look at player profile wise, he's not a guy that will get most fans, I should say. Oh, he's a Swiss him. Army knife. He's a Swiss I, Army knife. And that's what I like about him. Yes, exactly. Just saying, I, I think he still has, like, I think the two of them have the ability to move into, like, world class level. And you're right. Like, no one ever said, like, wow, that Genie Wijnaldum, he looks like Coutinho on the pitch. You talked about both of them having high-class levels in different ways, right? And I think that is the same with these kids. I just think in classic fashion, because we signed a $70 million player, all of a sudden, all the excitement, and I've read it for days, like all the excitement around McAllister is like, well, now it's like McAllister's just what we thought he was. He was really just – he was just covered. And it was like, he wasn't just cover. He was bought to play like a key, key role. Like I think both players, again, I think both players will start eventually in our best 11. I just don't know if they'll both get a start right away. I mean, I think price tag always determines that somehow too. I think if we, if we did pay 70 for McAllister, it would have been seen as a bigger signing than what we paid for him automatically kind of like somehow makes it less important because of a piece, because we did not pay as much as we initially thought we would. Let's face it. You know, when we were talking about like, you know, different names and who we might be getting and stuff like that, you know, we thought we were going to be paying a lot more for him. And at that time, it was going to be like, yes, let's go get him, pay this much. But because we didn't pay as much, somehow the overall perception went down. So looking ahead, um, by next Monday, we'll be done with our business in midfield. Bickler, are we getting another one? The anger meter keeps going down and down and down. Are we going to be positive as hell? You will not be with us. You will be harassing the people of the good people of New York. I'll be in lower Manhattan under a bridge with Pat Bamford. Um, uh, I don't next Monday. I don't think we're done in midfield. I don't know if it gets done by Monday or not. Okay. How about you, Gallon? Um, I'm not sure we buy another player by next Monday. I would love for another acquisition to come in. I'd like to see the club to start to move some players out because preseason's about to start. And, you know, it does feel awkward that not a single player has been sold for a fee yet. Like we talked about Kelleher maybe going, we talked about Gomez at times, some of the dead weight, younger players even. Um, and there's just no chatter, which makes me wonder, like, is it the normal that we just don't hear about it? Or is it that like usual, we're just asking absorbent prices for our assets and therefore they're not getting moved. Cause why is Nat Phillips still on this team? When there I are plenty feel like of teams. part of that is because we're not done with the incoming, to be honest with you, and the final numbers in terms of homegrown and stuff, because that could determine some things. You think Gerard does us a favor over there and goes to Saturday and like signs Nat Phillips for 50 and Thiago for 60? He's like, oh, you guys should put you guys should see this Nathan guy. He puts his head in everything and like signs them for a huge amount. I mean, out of all the players that we have, I think we talked about this in the past in the morning show too. 
uh, the only player I see going that way, because there was a lot of chat about it today, uh, is probably Thiago, because he's a player that's fun and exciting to watch. I don't think you're going to create... I would take him definitely as a player as a, to start a team to build around and get everybody on the same page and lead him and stuff like that. But I'm assuming between Hando and Thiago, Thiago is the attractive option, Bickler, to a fan in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, I think Thiago would be perfect for over there. He can, you know, sit around and do all his skill tricks and stuff all he wants. Like, I, um, it makes sense to me. I would take, like, I would take, Shoot, dude, give me 25-30. Sold. Like, I mean, that that'd be great. Too. I think so too. How much you how much you think is a good price for Thiago? Like take it and run kind of a price. Oh, if it's Saudi Arabia and it's anything over 25 million, I think you just snap off and go. I think if it's the rumors of Turkey and it, and I I read one I read one about that, but I read Galatasaray. Galata, Galatasaray was in for him as well with a little more money. But I also read Barcelona wants him, but they basically want him on like reduced wages and like an $8 million fee or something. So none of these things make sense to me. If it's that, you just keep them. Um, if it's 15 to 25 million and you can put it in the coffers to spend this summer or later in January, I think you do it. The one that surprises me is that Kelleher can't get a sniff anywhere, um, which he didn't have a great campaign last year. He didn't play a lot of matches. It wasn't like the year before. But the fact that he's not even getting like a sniff at the chance to fight for a number one job, even in the championship, makes me wonder if once again, you know, a couple years ago when we were getting 20 million pound offers, we probably should have snapped at it. But like usual, we hang on to things for sentimental values i feel like once we finish our incoming business we will probably have some leave but i don't see i mean like i say aside from thiago i don't see a name that would leave and offset some of the outgoings in terms of like financially i just don't um and sounded like the last things he said about i mean obviously it could just be like transfer talk too but Kelleher in terms of you know like no we're keeping the the goalkeeper gang the way it is including adrian and everything but uh, yeah, the Thiago the Turkey stuff is never going to happen because no, no, no Turkish team is going to be able to fork out uh, anything even close to it. They're not going to be able to fork out more than 10, 12, and that will be giving their entire thing. And I, I mean, who the hell wants to put their entire transfer market in Thiago's legs and knees? Because that's not going to last two tackles in Turkey and he'll be out for like three months because... Yeah, it's a rough league to play in, especially once they know what you do with the ball. I mean, he's going to roll around the ball in his ankles and stuff. A couple of sliding tackles later, uh, he'll be retiring. So, uh, But it'll be interesting. To see. I do feel like we do get more across and we take care of the business fast. And I know this tournament kind of throws a curveball and things like we were talking about, but I do hope we get a couple more fast. The anger meter keeps going down. And Bickler will be in New York, uh, but Galli and I will be over here celebrating it. Any uh, crazy plans for New York, Bickler, that people should be aware of and areas to avoid that you're going to be at or anything? Or 
Look, believe it or not, two companies are paying for me to be there, which is a weird burden to bear. So I will be on <laughs> relatively good behavior. And one of them is not us. <laughs> yeah, right. it's two, com- two companies. One is not the U.S. Marshals, <laughs> and the other is not yeah. the the, the uh, greater county of New York, of Westchester County. So ultimately, what you know is is he's probably not going to get himself in trouble. And because they're paying for him, he's going to be at some high-end burger joints, and he's going to be having some fine cocktails in one or two different areas. Uh, speaking of burger joints, I'm going to try to simulate that burger that I had in Chicago tomorrow, but I doubt it will get anywhere close. But that's it for us this week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back with more transfer news next week. Uh, our next show will be Wednesday morning, the morning coffee show. Grab a cup. And join us. Have a great 4th of July and have a great week, everybody. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. Take care.